There are more than 300 episodes of Listen to Sleep, all available for free because of the generous support of our sponsors. And while you'll never hear any ads after the story or meditation starts, you can get every episode ad-free, plus over 100 bonus episodes, all for less than the price of one cup of coffee a month by going to listentosleep.com and clicking on support. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet bedtime stories and meditations to help you fall deeply asleep. Spring is in full swing here on the mountain. We had a couple of days this week that were up in the low 80s. It's been so nice to open up all the windows in the cabin and let the forest breezes just pass right through. So many trees and flowers are in bloom right now. It's just dreamy. I uh, spent a lot of time, actually, thinking about dreams this week and how it can be so easy to feel lost or frustrated when it seems like we're not making progress toward our dreams. So on Thursday, I went for a walk to try and sort out my thoughts. I wound up making a video about it and put it up on Instagram and TikTok. And I included a lot of shots of the local wildflowers that are blooming here on the mountain. So if you want to see it and hear my thoughts on dreams, you can find it at Listen to Sleep on both Instagram and TikTok. There are links that'll take you straight there in the show notes or on the website at listentosleep.com. I want to thank the folks who supported the podcast by subscribing to the Patreon this week. Thank you, Morgan, Maggie. Noah, Kate, Candace, Sherry, Claire, Linda, Anita, Andrea, Jeanette, Petra, Heather, Regina, Kayla, Shira, Laura, and Emily. Thank you so much to all of you. You've put us almost halfway toward my goal of a thousand patrons so I can make Listen to Sleep my full-time endeavor. If the podcast helps you sleep, you can support it for less than $3 a month. And for your support, you'll get the new episodes a day earlier without any ads or introductions. And you'll also get an immediate download of the entire audiobook of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's more than four hours long, and every chapter is a wonderful, sleepy bedtime story all on its own. You can get all this and the other longer books that I read serially on Listen to Sleep Plus on Wednesday nights when you support the podcast for $5 a month. Subscribing to Listen to Sleep Plus gives you access to all the chapters of the books I've read so far, like The Children of Odin, A Book of Norse Tales, Winnie the Pooh, and Peter Pan, plus a new chapter from the current book I'm reading every Wednesday. This week, we started The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and it's 
really good. I had never read the book before, just seen the movie. For more information about all of this, you can go to listentosleep.com or you can click the link in the show notes. This week's story is a sweet fairy tale written by the son of the person who defended Dred Scott when he sued for his freedom from slavery. Let's take a deep breath. In. And out. Letting go of the day. Feeling yourself sink down deep into the mattress. Letting the weight of gravity just pull you down. And another deep breath in. And out. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. This is your time. Quiet time. And one more deep breath in with me. And out. If you get tired while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Sweet One Darling and the Dream Fairies A wonderful thing happened one night. Those who never heard of it before will hardly believe it. Sweet One Darling was lying in her little cradle with her eyes wide open and she was trying to make up her mind whether she should go to sleep or keep awake. This is often hard for little people to determine. Sweet One Darling was ready for sleep and dreams. She had on her nightgown and her nightcap, and her mother had kissed her goodnight. But The day had been so very pleasant, with its sunshine and its play and its many other diversions, that sweet one darling was quite unwilling to give it up. It was high time for the little girl to be asleep. The robins had ceased their evening song in the maple, The tree toad croaked monotonously outside, and a cricket was chirping certain confidences to the strange shadows that crept furtively everywhere in the yard and garden. Some folk believe that the cricket is in league with the dream fairies. They say that What sounds to us like a faint chirping merely is actually the call of the cricket to the dream fairies to let those pretty little creatures know that it is time for them to come with their dreams. I more than half believe this myself, for I have noticed that it is while the cricket is chirping 
that the dream fairies come with their wonderful sights that oftentimes seem very real. Sweet one darling heard the voice of the cricket, and maybe she knew what it meant. There are a great many things which sweet one darling knows all about, but of which she says nothing to other people. Although she is only a year old, she is undoubtedly the most knowing little person in all the world. And the fact that she is the most beautiful and the most amiable of human beings is the reason why she is called by that name of Sweet One Darling. Maybe, and it is quite likely that, with all the other wonderful things she knew, Sweet One Darling understood about the arrangement that existed between the cricket and the dream fairies. At any rate, just as soon as she heard that cricket give its signal note, she smiled a smile of gratification and looked very wise indeed. As much as to say, the cricket and I know a thing worth knowing. Then, all of a sudden, there was a faint sound, as of the rustle of gossamer silken wings. And the very next moment, two of the cunningest fairies you ever saw were standing upon the windowsill, just over the honeysuckle. They had come from somewhere and it was evident that they were searching for somebody, for they peered cautiously and eagerly into the room. One was dressed in a bright yellow suit of butterfly silk, and the other wore a suit of dark gray moth zine, which, as you perhaps know, is a dainty fabric made of the fine strands which gray moths spin. Each of these fairies was of the height of a small cambric needle, and both together would not have weighed much more than the one-sixteenth part of four dewdrops. You will understand from this that these fairies were as tiny creatures as could well be imagined. Sweet one, darling, oh, sweet one, darling, they cried softly. Where are you? Sweet one, darling, pretended that she did not hear and she cuddled down close in her cradle and laughed heartily, all to herself. The mischievous little thing knew well enough whom they were calling, and I am sure she knew what they wanted. But she meant to fool them 
and hide from them a while. That is why she did not answer. But nobody can hide from the dream fairies. And least of all could sweet one darling hide from them. For presently her laughter betrayed her, and the two dream fairies perched on her cradle, one at each side, and looked smilingly down upon her. Hello, said sweet one darling, for she saw that her hiding place was discovered. This was the first time I had ever heard her speak, and I did not know till then that even we little babies talk with fairies, particularly dream fairies. Hello, sweet one, darling, said Gleam o' the Merc, for that was the name of the dream fairy in the dark gray moth zine. And hello from me too, cried Frisk and Glitter, the other visitor, the one in the butterfly silk suit. You have come earlier than usual, suggested sweet one darling. No, indeed, answered Frisk and Glitter. This is the accustomed hour, but the day has been so happy that it passed quickly. For that reason, you should be glad to see me, for I bring dreams of the day, the beautiful golden day, with its benediction of sunlight, its grace of warmth, and its wealth of mirth and play. And I, said Gleam o' the Merc, I bring dreams too, but my dreams are of the night, and they are full of the gentle, soothing music of the winds, of the pines, and of the crickets. And they are full of fair visions, in which you shall see the things of fairyland, and of dreamland, and of all the mysterious countries that compose the vast world of somewhere, away out beyond the silvery mist of night. Dear me, cried sweet one darling, I should never be able to make a choice between the two of you, for both of you are equally acceptable. I am sure I should love to have the pleasant play of the daytime brought back to me, and I am quite sure that I want to see all the pretty sights that are unfolded by the dreams which Gleemo the Merc brings. Sweet one darling, was so distressed that her cunning little under lip drooped and quivered perceptibly. She feared that her indecision would forfeit her the friendship of both the dream fairies. You have no need to feel troubled, said Frisk and Glitter, 
for you are not expected to make any choice between us. We have our own way of determining the question, as you shall presently understand. Then the dream fairies explained that whenever they came of an evening to bring their dreams to a little child, they seated themselves on the child's eyelids and tried to rock them down. Gleam o' the Merc would sit and rock upon one eyelid, and Frisk and Glitter would sit and rock on the other. If Gleam o' the Merc's eyelid closed first, the child would dream the dreams Gleam o' the Merc brought. If Frisk and Glitter's eyelid closed first, why, then of course, the child dreamt the dreams Frisk and Glitter brought. It would be hard to conceive of an arrangement more amicable. But suppose, suggested Sweet One Darling, suppose both eyelids close at the same instant. Which one of you fairies has his own way then? Ah, in that event, said they, neither of us wins, and since neither wins, the sleeper does not dream at all, but awakes next morning from a sound, dreamless, refreshing sleep. Sweet one darling was not so sure that she fancied this alternative. But of course, she could not help herself. So she let the two little dream fairies flutter across her shoulders and clamber up her cheeks to their proper places upon her eyelids. As I told you before, their actual combined weight hardly exceeded the sixteenth part of four dewdrops. Yet, when they are perched on a little child's eyelids, tired eyelids at that, it really seems sometimes as if they weighed a ton. It was just all she could do to keep her eyelids open. Yet, Sweet One Darling was determined to be strictly neutral. She loved both the dream fairies equally well, and she would not for all the world have shown either one any partiality. Well, there the two dream fairies sat on Sweet One Darling's eyelids, each one trying to rock his particular eyelid down, and each one sung his little lullaby in the pipingest voice imaginable. I am not positive, but as nearly as I can remember, Frisk and Glitter's song ran in this wise. Dream, dream, dream of meadow, wood, and stream, of bird, 
and bee, of flower and tree, all under the noonday gleam, of the song and play, of mirthful day, dream, dream, dream. This was very soothing, as you would suppose. While Frisk and Glitter sung it, Sweet One Darling's eyelid drooped and drooped and drooped, until, goodness me, it seemed actually closed. But at the critical moment, the other dream fairy, Gleam o' the Merc, would pipe up his song, somewhat in this fashion. Dream, 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 of glamour, glint, and gleam, of the hushabye things the night wind sings, to the moon and the stars abeam, of whimsical sights in the land of sprites, dream, dream, dream. Under the spell of this pretty lullaby, the other eyelid would speedily overtake the first. And so, for a goodly time, there was actually no such thing even as guessing which of those two eyelids would close sooner than the other. It was the most exciting contest for an amicable one. I ever saw. As for sweet one darling, she seemed to be lost presently in the magic of the dream fairies. And although she has never said a word about it to me, I am quite sure that while her dear eyelids drooped and drooped and drooped, to the rocking and the singing of the dream fairies. It was her lot to enjoy a confusion of all those precious things promised by her two fairy visitors. Yes, I am sure that from under her drooping eyelids, she beheld the scenes of the mirthful day intermingled with peeps of fairyland, and that she heard, or seemed to hear, the music of dreamland harmonizing with the more familiar sounds of this world of ours. And when at last she was fast asleep, I could not say for certain which of her eyelids had closed first. So simultaneous was the downfall of her long, dark lashes upon her flushed cheeks. I meant to have asked the dream fairies about it, but before I could do so, they whisked out of the window and away with their dreams, to a very sleepy little boy who was waiting for them 
somewhere in the neighborhood. So, you see, I am unable to tell you which of the dream fairies won. Maybe sweet one darling's sleep that night was dreamless. I have questioned her about it, and she will not answer me. This is all of that wonderful tale I had to tell. Maybe it will not seem so wonderful to you, for perhaps you, too, have felt the dream fairies rocking your eyelids down with gentle lullaby music. Perhaps you, too, know all the precious dreams they bring. In that case, you will bear witness that my tale even though it be not wonderful, is strictly true. There was another time Sweet One Darling heard her brother, little Our Golden Son, talking with the nurse. The nurse was a very wise woman, and they called her Good Old Soul because she was so kind to children. Little Our Golden Son was very knowing for a little boy only two years old. But there were several things he did not know about, and one of these things troubled him a good deal. And he went to the wise nurse to find out all about it. Tell me, good old soul, where did I come from? He said. Good old soul thought this a very natural question for little our golden son to ask. For he was a precocious boy, and he was going to be a great man someday. I asked your mother that very question the other day, said good old soul. And what do you think she told me? She told me that the doctor man brought you. She told me that one night she was wishing all to herself that she had a little boy with light golden hair and dark golden eyes. If I had such a little boy, said she, I should call him our golden son. While she was talking this way to herself, rap, tap, rap, came a knock at the door. Who is there? asked your mother. I am the doctor man, said the person outside and I have brought something for you. Then the doctor man came in, and he carried a box in one hand. I wonder what can be in the box, thought your mother. Now, what do you suppose it was? Bananas, said little our golden son. No, no, answered good old soul. 
It was nothing to eat. It was the cutest, prettiest little baby boy you ever saw. Oh, how glad your mother was. And what made her particularly happy was this. The little baby boy had light golden hair and dark golden eyes. Did you really bring this precious little boy for me? asked your mother. Indeed I did, said the doctor man. And he lifted the little creature out of the box and laid him very tenderly in your mother's arms. That's how you came, little our golden son. And it was very good of the doctor man to bring you, wasn't it? Little our golden son was much pleased with this explanation. As for sweet one darling, she was hardly satisfied with what the nurse had told. So that night, when the fairies, the dream fairies, came, she repeated the nurse's words to them. What I want to know, said sweet one darling, is this. Where did the doctor man get little our golden son? I don't doubt the truth of what good old soul says, but Good old soul doesn't tell how the doctor man came to have little our golden son in the box. How did little our golden son happen to be in the box? Where did he come from before he got into the box? That's easy enough to answer, said Gleam o' the Merc. We dream fairies know all about it. Before he got into the doctor man's box, little our golden son lived in the moon. That's where all little babies live before the doctor man brings them. Did I live there before the doctor man brought me? Asked sweet one darling. Of course you did, said Gleemo the Merc. I saw you there a long, long time before the doctor man brought you. But I thought that the moon was a big, round soda cracker, said Sweet One Darling. That made the dream fairies laugh. They assured Sweet One Darling that the moon was not a soda cracker, but a beautiful round piece of silver, way, way up in the sky, and that the stars were little moons, bearing the same relationship, in point of size, to the old mother moon that a dime does to a big silver dollar. And how big is the moon? asked Sweet One Darling. Uh, 
Is it as big as this room? Oh, very, very much bigger, said the dream fairies. I guess it must be as big as a house, suggested sweet one darling. Bigger than a house, answered Gleam o' the Merc. Oh, my, exclaimed sweet one darling. And she began to suspect that the dream fairies were fooling her. But that night, the dream fairies took sweet one darling with them to the moon. You don't believe it, eh? Well, you wait until you've heard all about it. And then, maybe, you not only will believe it, but will want to go there, too. The dream fairies lifted little sweet one darling carefully out of her cradle. Then their wings went whirr, whirr. You've heard a green fly buzzing against a window pane, haven't you? That was the kind of whirring noise the dream fairies' wings made, with the pleasing difference that the dream fairies' wings produced a soft, soothing music. The cricket under the honeysuckle by the window heard this music and saw the dream fairies carrying sweet one darling away. Be sure to bring her back again, said the cricket, for he was a sociable little fellow and was very fond of little children. You can depend upon it that sweet one darling had a delightful time riding through the cool night air in the arms of those dream fairies. It was a good deal like being a bird, only the dream fairies flew much faster than any bird can fly. As they sped along, they told sweet one darling all about the wonderful things they saw, and Everything was new to sweet one darling, for she had never made any journeys before, except in the little basket carriage which good old soul, her nurse, propelled every sunny morning up and down the street. Pretty soon they came to a beautiful river which looked as if it were molten silver. But it wasn't molten silver. It was a river of moonbeams. We shall take a sail now, said Gleemo the Merc. This river leads straight to the moon, and it is well worth navigating. So they all got into a boat that had a sail made out of ten thousand and ten baby spiders' webs. And away they sailed, as merrily as you please. Sweet one darling put her feet over the side of the boat and tried to trail them in the river. 
but the moonbeams tickled her so that she couldn't stand it very long. And what do you think? When she pulled her feet back into the boat, she found them covered with dimples. She didn't know what to make of these phenomena until the dream fairies explained to her that a dimple always remains where a moonbeam tickles a little child. A dimple on the foot is a sure sign that one has been trailing in that beautiful silver river that leads to the moon. By and by, they got to the moon. I can't begin to tell you how large it was. You'd not believe me if I did. This is very lovely, said Sweet One Darling. But where are the little babies? Surely you didn't suppose you'd find any babies here, exclaimed the dream fairies. Why, in all this bright light, the babies would never, never go to sleep. Oh, no, we'll have to look for the babies on the other side of the moon. Of course we shall, said Sweet One Darling. I might have guessed as much if only I'd stopped to think. The dream fairies showed Sweet One Darling how to get to the edge of the moon. And when she had crawled there, she held on to the edge very fast and peeped over as cautiously as if she had been a timid little mouse instead of the bravest sweet one darling in all the world. She was very cautious and quiet, because the dream fairies had told her that she must be very sure not to awaken any of the little babies. For there are no mothers up there on the other side of the moon, and if by chance a little baby is awakened, why, as you would easily suppose, the consequences are exceedingly embarrassing. Can you see anything? asked the dream fairies of Sweet One Darling as she clung to the edge of the moon and peeped over. I should say I did, exclaimed Sweet One Darling. I never supposed there could be so beautiful a place. I see a large, fair garden filled with shrubbery and flowers. There are fountains and velvety hillocks and silver lakes and embowered nooks. A soft, dim, golden light broods over the quiet spot. Yes, that is the light which shines through the moon from the bright side, but it is very faint, said the dream fairies. Ah, I see the little 
baby's asleep, continued sweet one darling. They are lying in the embowered nooks near the fountains, upon the velvety hillocks, amid the flowers, under the trees, and upon the broad leaves of the lilies in the silver lakes. How cunning and plump and sweet they are. I must take some of them back with me. If they had not been afraid of waking the babies, the dream fairies would have laughed uproariously at this suggestion. Just fancy, sweet one darling, a baby herself, undertaking the care of a lot of other little babies fresh from the garden on the other side of the moon. I wonder how they all came here in this moon garden, asked sweet one darling. And the fairies told her. They explained that whenever a mother on earth asked for a little baby of her own, her prayer floated up and up, many leagues up, and was born to the other side of the moon, where it fell and rested upon a lily leaf, or upon a bank of flowers in that beautiful garden. And resting there, the prayer presently grew and grew, until it became a cunning little baby. So, when the doctor man came with his box, the baby was awaiting him, and he had only to carry the precious little thing to the mother and give her prayer back to her, to keep and to love always. Well, I actually believe that sweet one darling would gladly have spent the rest of her life clinging to the edge of the moon and peeping over at the babies in that beautiful garden. But the dream fairies agreed that this would never do at all. They finally got sweet one darling away by promising to stop on their journey home to replenish her nursing bottle at the Milky Way, which, perhaps as you know, is a marvelous lacteal ocean in the very midst of the sky. This beverage had so peculiar and so soothing a charm that presently, sweet one darling went sound asleep. And when she woke up, goodness me, it was late in the morning, and her brother, little Our Golden Son, was standing by her cradle, wondering why she didn't wake up to look at his beautiful new toy elephant. Sweet one darling told good old soul and little Our Golden Son all about the garden on the other side of the moon. I am sure it is true, said good old soul. And now that I come to think of it, 
that is the reason why the moon always turns her bright side toward our Earth. If the other side were turned this way, the light of the sun and the noise we make would surely awaken and frighten those poor little babies. Little our golden son believed the story too. And if good old soul and little our golden son believed it, why shouldn't you? If it were not true, how could I have known all about it and told it to you? Good night.